Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Forza Italian Football Podcast. Here to talk about match day 12 of the Serie A season, and it was a much better match day than we were predicting it to be. I'm your host, Connor Clancy. I'm joined by Ewan Burns. Burns, say hello. Hello, everybody. Have you recovered from your Halloween celebrations that happened before Halloween, but they were Halloween for you because that was the closest Saturday to Halloween, and that's how you work out when things should be celebrated? Well put. Yes, I have. I'm tired, but I'm not hungover anymore good <laughs> if you think they're exclusive things which i think they are yes of course they are i'm also joined okay. by kev pogzelski a man who is well versed in hangovers and tiredness kev how are you i'm good i'm better conditioned now i'm back from amsterdam ready to go again oh, of course you were in amsterdam for quite a while as well weren't you eight days which is too long anybody planning on going to amsterdam <laughs> You had a. You looked to have a nice time. There was a stout in particular that really caught my eye to the point where, when I saw it on the beer check-in app that we both used that you put me onto, I had to message you on WhatsApp to inquire about it because it looked sublime. Kev, can you tell me a little bit more about that stout, please? Um, so it was a eleven percent uh, coconut milk chocolate stout, although it had a very dark chocolatey taste and. I'm, I'm told that a dark chocolate bounty, for anybody that's aware of the bounty chocolate bars, yeah. does exist. So just picture that in a glass. Very smooth, very nice. Um, I'm just not sure if you're using it as an excuse to go to Amsterdam, maybe, but um, who knows? I am I am salivating at the thought of that stout, because stout is definitely my beer of choice. So <laughs> I'm intrigued by that. Yeah, I, I gave it almost as as high a ranking as I could give it, and part of that was the fact that it was called Willy Tonka. <laughs> Fair enough, you, you won me around. That wasn't very interesting until that point. I didn't realise that was the name of it, but yeah, fair point. Fair point. I think stout gets a bit of a bad rep, right? Because in Ireland in particular, if a stout isn't a Guinness, people look down their noses at it a bit. But a Guinness is a very particular type of stout. You get all sorts of stouts and they're all yeah. great. It's entry-level stout, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I, yeah. I love, a, I love a stout, to be honest with you. We're also joined by Vito Doria. Vito, it's probably a bit too early in the morning for you to be contemplating all of this beer talk but good morning and hello and welcome along thank you connor yeah actually it does remind me actually later in that day i might actually drive by to a, a brewery on the opposite side of the suburb i live in in melbourne and uh, buy some stout bottles especially if some are on special they got some releases that they charge top dollar but then the few that are a few years old and they're still good but they sell them for a bit less so when those discounts arrive that's where i sweep in Great plan. Great plan. Guys, do you reckon we could get a beer sponsor for this podcast or for the, the new with website? Willie Tonka. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love a little. What are those, that company, like Beer 52 or something? I'd love if someone like that just popped up and, and well, gave us a deal. Bear in mind that we need European, worldwide, and UK shipping involved. So 
it's a little bit more complicated but if, if you can just deliver to italy that's all i really care about but we'll work something <laughs> out from there we've got to talk about the the football guys don't we because Serie A match day 12 bernsey you and i did the preview podcast and we said that hmm it's not the most outstanding set of fixtures it doesn't it's hard to look at where the obvious fun is going to be had, but it turns out the fun was had pretty much everywhere, particularly on Sunday. So there are still two games left to be played on Monday night, but Saturday saw Napoli beat Sassuolo 4-0, Juventus beat Lecce 1-0 in Salento, Inter beat Samp 3-0, and then on Sunday, Atalanta beat Empoli 2-0 to bounce back from their only defeat of the season so far. Cremonese with an Eze finished nil nil. I still just like saying that fixture as we discussed on the preview pod. You and Spezia lost 2 1 to Fiorentina. Salernitana beat Lazio 3 1, ending Lazio's incredible defensive record and run of clean sheets. And then Torino beat Milan 2 1, Milan's first away loss since November 2021. Monday night, we've got Verona Roma. I'm going to be going to Veneto for that game. I'm very much looking forward to it. And we've got Monza Bologna to finish out the weekend's action as well. That game is going ahead, despite, I, th- I think, Monza requested for that to be postponed after Pablo Mari was was stabbed in a supermarket around the Milan area. Fortunately, he is now okay. He's been released from hospital in what was a, a really tragic incident here. And someone lost their life in that as well. So thoughts and prayers, obviously, if you're one to pray with the family of the of the victims there really really tragic but the game is going to go ahead and hopefully Monza can can get a good result for for Pablo Mari as he's no doubt going to be watching on we've got to start with the Sunday night game Torino Milan because Kev I don't think anybody saw this result coming I did say on the preview pod to Bernsey that Milan weren't going to win this game I didn't think Torino would though Milan's, Milan's um, sorry, Torino's form had kind of picked up, but no, I, I don't think I expected Milan to lose until. So there was two things that happened. I saw the starting lineup. Pioli's obviously got one eye on uh, Wednesday night against Salzburg. He, he clearly saw this as a game as where he could do a little bit of rotation. You know, not not massive for Baker, centre midfield, Divock Origi um, leading the line rather than Giroud. And then Liao missed like two chances in the first 10 minutes. And it was like, oh, now if he's not going to have a good game, you know, and after and they were struggling after about uh, half an hour. And, and by the time he sort of skied one, you just thought, this isn't happening. And like two minutes later, Milan just lost themselves, lost their heads collectively at the back. They, they allowed a, a relatively weak header to go in for the first within a minute and a half. And again, a long ball from Milinkovic-Savic. They didn't clear it properly. Moranchuk picked it up and off he went. 2-0. And they really struggled to get back in the game. The defending was really poor for that Torino first goal. Brunzi, now you look at that cross coming in and it's kind of a defender's dream. You know, it's you've got a good line. You're facing where it's coming from. It's a difficult one to attack from an attacking perspective. But from a defender's perspective... Step forward and put your head on it. But nobody did. And Torino were able to take the lead. And then Miranchuk scored, like, what was it? 90 seconds later or something like that. 82 seconds, I think it might have been. But Milan's defense is not what it was when they won the title last season. 
and we're seeing that in their their early season form. It, it sounds ridiculous to be too critical of them because of, you know, they've not got the greatest squad depth. Kev, I think you're writing about that as well. But they're still already six points off top. They've slipped up in four games from 12. And you'd worry about them because their defense was the thing that won them the title last season. And you and this year, it's not what it was. Yeah, it is very weird. Like that that first goal. Obviously, we know that um, Coffee Gigi is very adept in the in the air. That's not a secret. But you don't associate Milan with conceding from a simple cross like that. That's kind of that was kind of their bread and butter last season. They they, they concede much better goals than that. Um, obviously, Matteo Gabbia started um, instead of Simon Kaya. Where obviously he's got to rotate a lot. They've got that massive game against Salzburg, and he obviously wants Kaya for that. But apart from apart from a bit of mix and matching at the back that they didn't have to do so much last season, it's hard to see what is different that's made them concede daft goals this season. But like I said, it has happened semi regularly, and that's too much if you want to defend a title. You know, everyone knows it's harder to defend it than win it. Your defense can't regress if you're going to defend the title. No, it can't. I mean, the positives are that they are still ahead of Inter, who are probably along with Napoli, the the most likely contenders to, to take that title off them. But Vito, Burnsy can't see all that much different. I can't see all that much different. Can you see anything other than the results that are a bit different this season for Milan? Uh, well, not much difference really. But, uh, you know, when, when you lose uh, the defenders that they've lost so far, I mean, it doesn't really help their cause. Although Gabia did score for AC Milan against Dinamo Zagreb in the Champions League, uh, it doesn't change the fact that he's still quite a raw defender and he is uh, rather erratic at best. So uh, it's these kind of games where, you know, unfortunately you've got to bite the bullet and give him a go. And since that game with Salzburg so important, you definitely have to um, yeah, make sure that Kaya gets the rest and that he's in good condition for Salzburg. Uh, Gabia, though, uh, the more I see him play, the more I think he's never really going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, AC Milan material, if you like. And uh, also, if you look at the right-back position, uh, you can see that David de Calabria is a, a loss for them too because, you know, he's an effective player going forward and he's a solid performer defensively. So that's... Uh, Another area for concern. We spoke a lot last year about them being um, collectively greater than the sum of their parts. And it, it feels almost that they've lost some collective confidence in each other. So when a couple of mistakes seem to come now, it's sort of they, they, they hesitate in passing to that player. And, and, and while I was thinking that this evening, watching the game, they brought De Ketelar on at half-time. And he, he, he had some nice touches, but again, he sort of, Put a ball into just an, it just rolled through to the Torino goalkeeper uh, Savage, and sort of I mean it might, it might have been Rebic just sort of just turned away from him. You know, like when you you're trying not to show your frustration to him, and and then straight after Tonali did something, and I thought about Tonali last year where he couldn't get in the side. He was that he was that investment in youth that people wanted to see in the team, and he couldn't get past Benacer and Kessie. And while the while the sort of the team was. You know the the machine was sort of clicking and it was it was sort of rolling on at this sort of juggernaut pace. Nobody cared about Tonali, but when it's not working and you want someone like De Ketelaar to come in and show his value, 
it sort of exacerbates the issues that that you're, that you're seeing there where they're not clicking. The kid that I was having a tough time, Ewan, and a lot of people have been critical of him. That's what happens. I've been reluctant to simply because I I was one of the few, it seemed, that when the move was made, I wasn't expecting him to, to tear up trees immediately. And he's still a kid. He's moved to a new country. He's moved to a new league. And he's playing for the champions of that respective country. With much more important and at this stage in their careers, better players than him. Do you think that he just needs to, or Milan just need to have a little bit of patience with him and, and, and it will come? Or have we reached the point now where it's ridiculous to say after 12 games that they might be getting a little bit concerned that it's not going to click? No, I think he's case 4,000 in, in this that we see in football at the moment where I, if you look at the move, you know, obviously the age and new country, etc. But it's also the fact that Club Bruges to a Milan side that have just won the league, that's not a normal step. There's there's usually one in between that, but he was deemed good enough. Um, I had to do Pioli's press conference before this game and... He was asked specifically about um, De Ketelaira's form. And it's it seems like he's at the right club for this kind of situation because Pioli was basically completely calm about it. And he was like, everyone at the club, everyone in training, are totally calm about what he's doing. And he said things happen for different players at different times, at different rates. And they've got total belief in him that he's doing all the right stuff and eventually it, it will click. And you know, a player like Especially in his position, like a creative position, it, it's harder to make an impact than it is if you're, you know, a, a centre back, where the basics of being a centre back are easier to do and impress people with than it is to be a creative player in the midfield. And they seem totally calm about him. And while I wouldn't say I'm emotionally invested, I, I don't think that he's flopped or anything stupid like that. No, Ewan makes a great point that. You, there's a lot of functional functional actions you do as a footballer, particularly if you're a fullback. You know, the the the, the lines of runs you've got to make, or you know, centre half where you've got to keep your line, and and all the sort of positional stuff. Whereas anybody playing that creative role behind t- attackers, you need to almost feel, you need to know, you know, if that drop of the shoulder or a slight sort of him edge into an area means that he's about to release the ball, and in the same way, he needs to know. You know, learn your runs because he, he they almost have to do something off the cuff to to make that creative role successful, and 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 that you can't you can't you can teach certain elements of it, but you can't you can't teach that familiarity with your teammates as quickly as you can do. Say a centre back, yeah, look at Tamori coming in, very very young, relatively inexperienced for his age, and but having Kaya next to him must have been great because then you can learn because you're almost copying you're doing a you're doing a position that you're watching your elder statesman teammate is doing that exact same job just symmetrically on the other yeah. side so you can follow him and you can you can do the things you'll you'll learn off that person you don't get that if you're that one creative sort of person behind the attacker i guess that's probably even more difficult and i suppose problematic if when you're playing you're not always playing with the same striker as well. So Giroud is the is the first choice when Ibra is not about, or probably even when Ibra is about now at the moment. But tonight he was playing with Origi, and I've not checked to see how many minutes he's played with each, but that's not helpful. Origi's having a 
difficult enough time himself settling in in Milan, which is made all the more difficult by a lack of minutes, I suppose. But there you go. Milan slip up again. Torino, though. Vito, this has got to get down as a big win for not only Torino, but even Juric in particular, despite the fact that he didn't look best pleased for most of the 90 minutes tonight. Well, you can't blame him for feeling a bit angry, especially the way Messias scored that goal. That was a terrible mistake by Vanya Milinkovic-Savic, and it almost ruined the party. Putting that aside, though, uh, Torino knew how to cut off the you know, passing channels for AC Milan, and uh, you know, just to get those two goals in that two-minute burst, I think it really set them up nicely for the victory. Perhaps it was a bit of a shame on for them that uh, they couldn't add to it because they did have other chances to increase that lead. But uh, I think for the way they played, it, it was a well-deserved win and certainly a big confidence booster to be winning against the reigning Serie A champions. It really was. Now, Kev, you want to jump in before we move on? I'd blame Milink. I wouldn't blame Milinkovic Savage for the goal. I'd blame. I bon- agree with you on this. I'd blame Bongiorno because twice in the first half, he came, first he came out and he headed the ball away in almost exactly the same circumstance, and another he, he cleared with his feet. Bongiorno, even if Milinkovic Savage doesn't come out, his touch is so bad that Macias has got a free run on goal. Okay, if Savage stays on his line, then he's you know he's got to beat him, but he, he it's clearly something that they do use as a tactic, you know, that the goalkeeper comes and clears because he's very proactive like that. And I thought it was Bongiorno's poor touch, really, uh, if, say, 70% more than than anything that uh, Savage did. But we're in agreement once again, Connor, so it's good. It's weird, isn't it? What's that, back-to-back weeks? Back-to-back there, weeks, Kev? yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Although I did try to wind you up on the WhatsApp group during the week, but Burnsy got a little bit uncomfortable with it, so we had to bring that to an end. Oh, I was too, <laughs> I was too busy, I saw it, and I just thought, I don't think I looked at it again for an hour. <laughs> I was worried that Burnsy's head was going to explode when he sent that subsequent message, but it's all okay. <laughs> I could see where the confusion lay on both sides, so it meant that I was just getting wound up. <laughs> how do you not know what each other are talking about? Um, we should move on to probably the most fun game of the weekend it happened just before the Milan game which was also quite a lot of fun but Salernitana beat Lazio 3-1 now Lazio went 1-0 up through Mattia Zaccagni and Alistair McKenzie had written a piece for us just a couple of days earlier on total-italianfootball.com go and read it suggesting that maybe Zaccagni is now Italy's best winger and how Maurizio Sarri said Zaccagni needs to hit double figures this season, otherwise he's he's wasting his talent. He's already got five goals this season and four assists, which means he's already overtaken his league tally from last season at Lazio this season. Ewan, when Zaccagni put Lazio 1-0 up, did you expect Salernitana to win that so comfortably? No, <laughs> not at all. Smash. I mean... <laughs> he... I, I I really like Zakanya and I know that I think we've been slightly disparaging of him in the past. Have we? Um, I, I I remember there was one time where I think I mentioned him in a in a in a in a, in a way that suggested he was a player to be fearful for the opposition of whatever. I think it was a preview pod, whatever the hell we were talking about. And then I think you there we go made a noise to suggest that. 
maybe don't need to worry about it, can you? I have genuinely <laughs> no memory of this. No, it wasn't significant at all. It's only, it only pops into my head now that he's doing well. Um, I couldn't give you a time frame or anything other than it being a long time ago. That's convenient. Um, yeah, but it was at Lazio anyway. <laughs> um, but he's a very fun player. I, I, he's got that low centre of gravity that just means it looks like he can do anything when he gets the ball and starts running with it. And clearly his finishings come on leaps and bounds. And you know that helps to while they didn't win the game the fact that Immobile's out if he can score more goals like he seems to be that's going to help um lesser the blow of that Vito can you name an Italian winger better than Zaccagni at the moment no and uh, one of the reasons for that too not to sound like I'm putting Zaccagni down because I do think he's a fantastic player but uh, I just can't wait for Federico Chiesa to be back fit because I think if um Roberto Mancini can have Zaccagni on the left wing and Federico Chiesa on the right, and Mancini does consider going back to a 4-3-3 formation, I think they would be a devastating duo to watch on the wings. And, yeah, I think leading up to Euro 2024, I think uh, they would make the Zuri a very exciting proposition to watch. Yeah, Can Drive is surely a better winger, isn't he, after his goal? <laughs> I'd say that's slightly tongue-in-cheek. Um, well, I hope it's very much tongue-in-cheek. Yes. Slightly. Well, okay, yeah. So the <laughs> so the first, yeah so the, the part in being a better winger is 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 very much uh, tongue is fully in cheek. Um, but there was something about so those people that have out listening that haven't yet seen the goal go and uh, go and go and seek it out because I'd come off a five, I'd come off a five-hour drive. And it was the first thing really I saw. And it was so beautiful. And I use beautiful, you know, in, in the right in the right way there. I never because heard it, you say beautiful. It was a it was a lovely, it was a beautiful touch. It was a blue and and I don't think Andrea very rarely Andrea can driver Antonio can driver. Andrea can driver. His, <laughs> his cousin Andrea can driver. Antonio can driver <laughs> has ever made me feel so so happy. Um, because usually, you know, most of his most of his shots are crosses. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's shots, yeah. and it's, it's good, good. So yeah, I, I you know, I just sort of, oh, it was, it was, a, it was a lovely, lovely goal. The thing that I loved about this goal was um, not only that it was beautiful, as Kev says, um, but it was the fact that obviously he didn't wheel away celebrating, you know, being an ex Lazio player, and they they referenced that immediately on the comms in the UK. Um, but just as they say that the camera zooms in on him celebrating with the players because he kind of just turned around and they all swarmed him. But then it zooms in on his face and the grin is like the, the biggest, he's like almost laughing out loud, basically. So like to the Lazio fans in the stadium, it will look like he's not celebrating at all, but he was absolutely loving it when they swarmed around him. I found it staggering that he was able to just lob the ball in the way that he did. When he did play for Lazio, he used to know how to chip penalties or for our British listeners, dink those penalties. But in open play, most of his shots are just pole drivers. There's just lots of power, but most of the time, not much accuracy. Probably one of the few where he actually did get on target was a stunner he scored for Sampdoria against Udinese last Mm. season. But just to control the ball like he did, and then that touch to put the ball over Ivan Provadel, a goalkeeper that's, you know, had six consecutive clean sheets before this game uh, that was uh, quite remarkable in itself 
I just it was a glorious, glorious goal. I, I just echo what Kev said. If you've not seen it, go and find it. I don't I don't care what you're doing now. Go and find that goal because it's worth taking a break from whatever you're doing. Goal of the weekend, Kev? Yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, there were a few. Yeah, and there's one there's one that we'll talk about in a moment from Barella that was not identical, but very, very similar touch and, a, and a, just a very different finish after a, a death touch. It was touch. the violent version, wasn't it? Is this yeah. the one that buried Nicolò Borella has shot? Uh, <laughs> Sorry? Exactly. Is, is, exactly. I'm glad is, that's your reaction. Because that's how that the from where I think it's from. Twitter account oh. it. Okay. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Sorry. We never, we never got on to their use of use of an old Liverpool song about Divock but, Oh, um... hang on. I've just <laughs> gone onto their Twitter account right now and they tweeted this at 12.45 on Sunday and literally five minutes ago, 12 hours later, they've changed it. They've added a little Nicolo Buried underneath it. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> <laughs> I just shocking found it. behavior. <laughs> it's shocking behavior. I'm not having that. I'm fuming. Buried Nicolo Barella his shot. If ever there was evidence that that account is not run by a native English speaker, even after they've changed who was running it last summer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope the person who runs it is actually your neighbor or something. Like that. That'd be great. No, we can get them on. They're not my neighbor, but. I have spoken to them, so I think maybe they probably saw my tweet. It's anyway, his best they don't know your address. <laughs> <laughs> it would be best, and I'm trying to think now if they do know my address. I don't think they do. <laughs> they know what city I live in, and I think that's about it. But there's every probability I'll see them at a game sometime this yeah, season. It's not a big place. No, Parma is not a big place, as Kev knows. But... Are we finished on this game? We need to give Selenitana some credit here, I think, don't we? Because they're Ooh. sitting comfortably in mid-table now, 10th. Yeah, well, it's, it was a bit... While we give them credit, it was a bit like Lazio forgot how to defend. Because it was suddenly... Like they, they conceded one goal, and it was like... The, 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 last, the last goal... So on the, on the last goal, it was great that Selenitana just kept playing because Lazio conceded possession sort of relatively deep into you know into the Salernitana half and then they just started sort of running back but sort of trying to complain that there had been a handball or something it was like you were still left with three on two and it was still a great move although I do think the it was a shot before it was the, the ball was eventually turned home and then there was this moment so the British broadcasters do a lot of complaining or no oh, complaining God. is the wrong word they do a lot of apologizing for the amount of time the Italian television crew seemed to pan to just attractive-looking ladies in the crowd, and when the actual oh. winner, when the actual winner went in, they 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 found this girl in the crowd. She must have been, I don't know, fifteen, sixteen, maybe no, no more. But she was, but she was crying. She was, she was. Those are bad numbers. She, she yeah, was, that's when he was saying she was. I was thinking, just say at least thirty. Yeah, like, just but but least. she was, but it, but it was a lovely moment because she was. She was part crying and part like laughing at the absurdity that her team, it was a Salernitana fan. She was clearly into oh, the Salernitana okay. fans. 
and, and I thought, oh, finally, they've gone to, they've gone to an actual, rather than go and find attractive women, they found someone that's, that's really living the emotion of, a, of Salernitana going to Rome and winning the game. She was, if you could, if they, they, hopefully they show it on the YouTube highlights, but it was, just, it was, a, it was a, just a brilliant clip. And if, if anybody's recorded it and they've got the game live, you'll find it. But she was just like, she was crying and laughing, sort of. It's, uh, yeah, it's really hard. It's almost as hard to describe as Kondreva's goal, but it was, it was a beautiful, another beautiful moment. Um, but, it, but at least they <laughs> What's weren't... What's happened to you today? I don't know. It's very gushing. It's human. I did say it's been a long, it's been a, it's been a long drive. It's been a long weekend. Um, but yeah, no, so if, uh, you know, finally, if they've stopped um, objectifying women on the Italian you know, cameramen, yeah. um, that would be a great start. So well done, Syria. Got to be honest, I'll pull the curtain back a little bit. You said before we started recording, come to me on the Lazio thing because I want to talk about the girl in the crowd. And I was thinking, what have the camera crews done? Exactly. What have they that's, picked up? That's, that's the first I thing that goes to be, I thought it'd be somebody crying in despair. That usually, that's usually what it is. Like the, the, the German girl at the Euros. That's, mm. that's the headline right. version. I quite deliberately didn't ask Kev about it because I was worried about what he might say because he wouldn't give us any more information pre-pod. But it turned out to be a beautiful moment. Kev, I'm impressed. Well done. I that see. was a nice one. Can I go um, now? Yeah, I think it's <laughs> you yeah. Donald's on Christmas now, Kev. Thanks for that. Um, what a result, though, for Salernitana. I am delighted for them. People know that I've got a couple of friends who support Salernitana, so very pleased to see them doing well. And probably too early to say, especially considering how they themselves survived relegation so dramatically last season, but they look good enough to not even be bothered by that this season, I would say. They, they look like a really decent team, even without losing or even having lost Edison and a couple of others. Like, we know what what a good player Ederson is, but we will move on now to that Inter game because Inter beat Sam 3-0, Nicolo Borella, sorry, buried Nicolo Borella his shot. It was a really good goal. And that was the second. Stefan Devray opened the scoring. Joaquin Correa finished the scoring. Vito, your boys, Sam, we'll start with them. Dejan Stankovic has come in and they look a little bit better. I mean, they got a win last weekend. Inter was always going to be difficult, but it, it does look like Stankovic has a lot of work to do. Oh, certainly. And I think it's just, again, just the general quality of the squad is really lacking. I don't think he can do too much, to be honest. The formation is a bit better than what it was under Giampaolo, but even he had to experiment a bit by putting Leris on the left wing and Bruno Amione on the left back position so yeah it had a bit of mucking around there but you know at least he did get a cup win against Ascoli in a crazy shootout then there was the victory against Cremonese on Monday night European time so there are some positive results but uh, yeah I think he's just got to make sure the team has a bit more fighting spirit in this particular game aside from two late chances one falling to the former Watford and Udinese winger in Yasu Puseto, and then uh, Francesco Cerbi nearly scoring an own goal. Those were the only saves I can remember Andre Onana really needing to do. Otherwise, this was a game that Inter were well in control of and probably should have scored a few more. But uh, Odero made a few decent saves and uh, the Nerozzurri were probably a bit wasteful on their parts as well. But... It could have been the kind of game Inter could have easily have won 6-0. I've just seen a tweet 
that you've sent to me, Ewan, and it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's another example, isn't it? It old habits. Oh, is there? Is this another one? Have you sent two? Oh, I, I, I've sent two, and I'm about to send a third because I've just found a gold mine. <laughs> Are these all from <laughs> today? These are all from the Torino game. Oh God! Right, I've only seen the first. I don't want to look at the others right now, but it's just <laughs> our favorite Twitter account still being our favorite Twitter account, despite everything suggesting it would change this season. But um, fine, fine. Uh, anything to add on Inter Sam Pewin? Um, two of the goals. <laughs> that wasn't even the problem. Um, yeah, two of the goals. Obviously, we talked about Barella already, um, but the career goal as well was he he is in that position so many times where he you know he glides with the ball so well. We know that, but the chances of him picking the right pass or then scoring are, have been fairly slim in recent months. But but you always sort of live in hope, or at least I do, that he could actually just smash it top in, and he finally did. And it was really lovely. And it, it kind of sums up his time at Inter that it was the third goal in a game that they had in the bag already. That's <laughs> his largely... thing, isn't that? Isn't, uh, wasn't yeah. that the two of the other goals he scored this season? Maybe the only other two goals he scored this season were the third in three goal wins. So, mm. he's... Yeah, I mean, that and the lack of Samp defending to allow him to run from the halfway line down I thought that little. too. And I felt a little bit bad thinking that because... When he did it at first, I did think, geez, he picked that up a long way away. In and then it was only half. when I saw the replay, I thought, oh, but there was literally nobody between him and when he took the Charity goal. Yeah, all going toward him. It was a little bit like if, the, if a goal had been scored at the other end, so they just let you run one in. <laughs> yeah. Kev, Kev, do you remember when Gerard in his last game scored that goal against Stoke when he was like 6-0 down? And it looked exactly like that. It was like they all just suddenly stopped trying to tackle him. Right. <laughs> he just ran through and scored. It was a six-one defeat. I think I burnt, burnt it from my memory. Um, it looks ridiculous if you watch it back. It's really it's daft. Barella's goal was excellent, though, wasn't it? Like the, the pass mm-hmm. from Bastoni as well. We've seen that before. It was against Juventus a couple of years ago. Bastoni played the ball over the top. Barella got in and finished it well. This time, though, the, the finish... Like, buried Barella his shot. It was an excellent, excellent finish. There was some real aggression put into it. It was one of those that, when he hits it, it almost hits the net before you've realized that the shot's been taken. And you just think, whew, that was good. That was powerful. I like that. Do you remember when Erling Haaland scored that goal for Dortmund in the Champions League? Wasn't it against PSG? When he hit it, like, hit the the cage. Like, because the net went back so far. <laughs> like, it had those kind of vibes off it, and I, I was very much on board for more of that. Barella's in fine form as well at the moment, which is good to see. He doesn't do half measures, does he? That's the thing. He, if if he's going to take a shot, he's he's going to take the shot. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah. going to he's going to kick it with everything he's got. Um, yeah, how many has he scored in a row? And now it's got to be like three. It's got to be at least. F- I, I was leaning towards four. I thought that was his third in a row, but I could be wrong. That just seems like something. That Either way, for for a midfielder, that's super. It's not bad. Especially it, when he's in a midfield where, like, you know, Chalhoub scores moderately regularly. It's not like that's his job in the midfield. It's a bit more of a bonus if he if he can get sort of six or seven in a season or whatever. Um, 
it's deeply impressive. In this sort of form, yeah. just imagine what he could do at a World Cup. <laughs> I know. Well, let's not go there, shall we? Um, take a quick break from the Serie A action to dip into undoubtedly the highlight of the weekend, right? Barella scored a belter. Torino beat Milan in an unlikely result. Zelenitana did what they did. Kondreva did what he did. The best thing to happen in Italy this weekend happened in Serie C. Now, you guys know where I'm going with this. And thank you to Gazzetta dello Sport and Football Italia for bringing this to our attention. Because there was a focaccia-related incident, guys. And I think it's, it's only right that we talk about it. So... The headline on Football Italia was Serie G coaches in focaccia-based touchline brawl. And I thought, that's the kind of story I need to click on. And I was immediately expecting it to be in either Bari or Genoa. It was in neither. Cesena were involved. Um, <laughs> like, I, I can't get through this normally. So I might just read what they have written. So they said it was a bizarre incident. After the final whistle of Montevacchi's 3-0 home defeat to Cesena in Serie C. While Cesena coach Domenico Toscano was giving a post-match interview to local press, Montevacchi boss Roberto Malotti first hurled insults at his counterpart and then hurled his dinner. Um, so it's not a, a big focaccia, it's a little focaccia, which are quite hard. And because of it being hard, it, it actually drew blood. <laughs> and he also shouted, I'm going to beat you up sooner or later. Kev, do you want to jump in? <laughs> well, just, just to say that I, I got back and I started reading the messages that were on our, our WhatsApp. And I read this out loud to Stace. And she actually had to pause what she was watching and go, <laughs> what? And then and it made her forget the like last two minutes of whatever she was watching and had to rewind the program, whatever <laughs> she had on. You know, that, that's how bizarre this was. She's like, what? A focaccia blood? <laughs> it's like, uh, well, yes, apparently so. Matt, imagine throwing a bread roll at someone. Like it's I actually think the sooner or later line is better than the bread incident. <laughs> It's, just, it's, it's like a, when I get round to it, I'm going to yeah. knock seven bells at you. <laughs> it is good, isn't it? Like sooner or later is obviously probably not the best translation. Like one of yeah. these days I'm going to knock your head off is probably a little bit more. One of these days. The sentiment is there, I'm fine. Yeah. One of these days when I haven't got for catch to throw, I'm going to have to punch <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, when I've run out of weapons, I'm going to hit you. <laughs> is this the best food-related incident in football since Cesc Fabregas as a teenager threw pizza at Alex Ferguson's head? <laughs> that might still be better. It is, better. But, it is better, of course it is. But this, is, this, has got, this has got to be best since. Yeah, I'll have that. And that is what I said, Burnsy. Literally the best since. But all right, we'll, we'll take it. All right, I was agreeing with you. Back to the Serie A action where Napoli beat Sassuolo 4 0. I bigged up Armand Lorente on the pre match, on the pre view pod. So he obviously got sent off and Sassuolo lost 4 0. Go on, Burnsy. Well, there's nothing to add. You've said it. I mean, <laughs> it was wonderful poetry from the weekend. <laughs> poetry in motion. You're just happy because I told you to suck a fat one because I predicted that Milan wouldn't win and you said they that's, would. That's why I've sent all those tweets just to bury that because it's, it's just been sat in the chat on the side of the podcast <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> 
staring at me. <laughs> I wasn't even sure why it was there. It is now gone. <laughs> Did you not know why I sent it to you? I don't think I quite joined the time. Maybe I was reading something. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't even listening to you. Silent bullying then. Yeah, I just thought, I don't know, he just had a stray shot. Uh, well, with this game, uh, well, first thing you've got to talk about is Victor Simon. I think no, there have been games where The first thing shown... we've got to talk about is Loriente getting sent off and mugging me off, Vito. I'm not having it. You can't do that. I compared him to Thierry Henry last week. <laughs> yeah, but about uh, that. <laughs> let's face it. Once again, Sassuolo showed that without Domenico Berardi, they haven't got much going for them. Not having it. He's give the, the boys, man. Give the boys a chance to settle. Bradley's obviously excellent, but as well, I have a lot about them. And I think, what are we into the season? 12 weeks? Right. Where's, yeah, where's Hammer Trier at the minute? He's I feel not like I've heard nothing from him. He's so not going to bet. Largely substitutes, substitute mm. appearances for most of the season. He is recovering from an injury that kept him out for a little bit longer than they would have liked him to. Um, he was a joy last season, and I want to see it more. Yes, he is a good player. He's a very good player, but I, I'm not sure. I I think he's not going to be the player that many people expected him or his brother to be. But I do like him. He is fun. He's a lot of fun. I, I think. I don't know. It's it's hard to describe how much I you know, other than being fun and a little bit lightweight. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm totally content with the idea that he stays there for a long yeah. time as long as he's just doing fun things. There, I don't expect him to move on to a, like, a massive club or anything. All but... right, Vito, talk about the serious stuff. Aussie man got a hat trick. Napoli are amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes you know, with Aussie men, you think, what's the big deal? Like he keeps getting injured, and he's impressive with his hold up play and all that. But ultimately, he's got to be banging goals, and this time. He banged them in, and that chip to seal the hatchery, that was beautiful. And, uh, yeah, well, another thing, too, with Napoli, just, yeah, 4-0, but another game in which you think they could have really steamrolled Sassuolo. They really could have pulled on the goals, and even Mario Rui could have scored a lovely goal. Unfortunately, he got denied early on, but, yeah, another comprehensive performance where Sassuolo, again, Lariente, you know, at his moments, but then he got that red card. And then Pinamonte, yeah, I'm not totally thrilled with him either. He probably could have scored two or three himself, but pretty disappointing on his part. Kev, do you give player of the week to Ozzy, man? Yep. <laughs> That's all I need to say. Although I, I downgrade his chip because the Sassolo midfield passed the ball to him. It's like I'd rather, uh, you know, Zielinski through ball or uh We're just piling in on Sassuolo at the moment. Uh well it was it was it was bad, wasn't it? Yeah, but he still <laughs> needs to finish it. Doesn't matter how done the mistake was from the Sassuolo defence. It was a good still finish. gotta know how to put it in. Doesn't you know, you can receive any gift of a pass, but if you kick it straight in the goalkeeper blast it over the bar, that's still that's uh not good opportunism. Brenzi, I swear to god, if you laugh again, sooner or later I'm He's gonna, gonna throw up a catcher in your face. <laughs> <laughs> why, why can't I laugh? You're just laughing at me. I don't, I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy it. I don't think I, I, don't think I laughed at you then. <sighs> I think I'm, maybe I laughed at Kev. <laughs> Kvaratskhelia scored again. Ewan, he's good. Yeah, we have to I do mean, this. yeah, there's, there's, 
They're a really good team, and then they're gonna be dreadful from like March on. He he hits the ball like Barella actually, in the sense that there's there's no hesitation there. It's <laughs> like his goal in this game, the 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 power that he hit that with was obscene, especially given it wasn't quite settled either. Um, and I just love how calm he looks. I think that's what's enjoyed. It doesn't seem like there's any front going on, or you know. Not not that not that players have to all not have any madness going on, but like he just seems really he's just going out and playing really well and then you don't hear anything from him. And I suspect that's that's largely by design from Napoli. They probably don't want him doing a huge amount of media and stuff. They want him to just carry on. Cause he, what we forget is that he's still settling into a new place. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think he's uh, everything we've just said about Charles de Kesselaro should be true, if not even more so possibly for Kradot Skelia coming from a much Sort of a, a much different part of Europe and as well. To Napoli as well. Yeah. Do you think he, that's Spalletti? Oh, he, he defies belief. Sorry, okay. Do you think that's Spalletti's influence? Spalletti's always sort of trying to struck me as someone that gives a little bit of creative freedom and allows people to have a little bit of fun, even if it's not publicly visible. But you know, you saw that exchange between him and Mourinho, and it's like there's and you know he smiles or he wears these he wears that. That um, what was it? it? Was like the Pornhub cap or the fake taxi cap that he, that he had in the yeah. summer. There's just something underlying. He's he's got a, quite a stern look about him, but then every now and again something will break through, and it just yeah. I don't know. I look at him sometimes. I think I think I'd like to work for him. You know, because I'm you would, wouldn't you? Because I'm you know I'm not a, I'm not not a particularly serious person. <laughs> well, in most. <laughs> yeah, that goes without saying. Anyway. <laughs> Back to Spalletti, though. A lot of his teams are fun to watch, and there are players that can have fun uh, under his coaching. I think uh, the only team I would say that looked rather dour was just uh, when he was at Inter, and they were just relying on Mauro Icardi for goals. They looked very structured, but most other teams, you know, like his Roma team in his first spell, I don't think I've ever saw Francesco Totti play as well as he did and statistically it was impressive so it goes to show what flair players can do if Spalletti gives them a platform to help them express themselves yeah well Spalletti was probably ground down by Wander at Inter so that's probably why he why he was struggling he was probably dealing with all the off all the off-field Wander stuff I don't want to get into this again. I think we're. About I was just going to say, can we have a ban on Wanda? <laughs> yeah, let's let's please do. I, I I understand why you brought that up, but let's stop it right there. <laughs> Atalanta got back to winning ways in Tuscany. They beat Empoli two 0 Hans Hattemore scored his first goal in about two years, and Adimola Lukman scored his fourth in five games. Atalanta are second again. What a weekend for La Dea. Vito. Another another impressive win for Atalanta and uh, Lukman. That was a fine goal there. Just great persistence to beat those Empoli defenders and then to put that low daisy cutter through. Oh, excellent way to seal the win. I'm doing a celebration again. I'm going to do a celebration on the pod every week that he scores a goal. And at this rate, I'm going to be doing a celebration about 30 times this season on the pod. What a player he is. Guys, why didn't you tell me as... Two people who follow the Premier League that Adam Olukman was really good because he wasn't, <laughs> and, and, and I don't follow the Premier League. I follow a team well, in the Premier League. What? 
Well, I only really, I only really watch Liverpool. I don't, I don't, I don't seek out. I don't go to the, you know, go to the pub or have a channel that shows me Premier League football. I watch, I watch us because I've watched us since I was a child. It's what happens around us has an influence on it. But I don't, I don't generally watch Premier League football. Fair enough. It's just Brownsy then. Brownsy, you're a disappointment to us. Uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm much more towards what Kev just said <laughs> rather than what you're what you're implying. I I don't know the last time I put on a Premier League game that wasn't United Vita. voluntarily. Oh, uh, look, put it this way: maybe some players, you know, without resulting to too many cliches, maybe the pace and the physicality of the Premier League's not for them, <laughs> but the tactical and technical nature of He's Italian football will bring the best out of them. <laughs> He's a little wimp who couldn't hack it. He and he's gone needed. to feathery Italy and now he's doing well. He just needed to find Uncle Gasp and now everything's okay. What a lovely <laughs> time it is to support Atalanta. So unexpectedly. But watch them go on a stinking run now and not win until about March and finish mid-table. But good win. I'm pleased because I was a bit concerned after last week's game against Lazio. But... Speaking of people who are concerned, Juventus beat Lecce 1-0. Nicolò Fagioli scored. Like, there were a lot of goals of the weekend this weekend, and this from Fagioli was one of them. Vito described it as a bit Del Piero-esque. Kev, it was a beaut. Yeah, it was a beautiful goal. It was. There were some that were, that were better, and I think oh. a little bit of this was <laughs> Juve trying to, or people trying to, uh, make a little bit more out of something that didn't have many talking points. Um, this goal was gorgeous, Kev. I'm not having that. The game was rubs. Okay, well, I've only seen it on highlights, so maybe Vito's better one to describe it as in his Del Piero way. Yeah. Oh, especially when you talk about Del Piero in his early stages of his career. I mean, we talk about Lorenzo Insigne and that sort of tiragira shot, mm. but... Uh, Del Piero was doing it before Insigne emerged on the scene. Just the way he would curl the shot from that left side of the pitch, just the whip on it, and to get it towards that far post or the top corner, Del Piero made a real specialty of it. Obviously, I don't think Nicolò Fagioli is anywhere near that, but if we talk about the technical quality of that goal, that would have been an effort that uh, Alex Del Piero would have been proud of because there were still quite a few Lecce defenders in Fajoli's way, and then to swerve the ball like he did, uh, that was just absolute class. And, you know, it's good to see the young ones stepping in now, especially when the old stalwarts are underperforming for the Bianconeri at this stage. Spezia lost 2-1 to Fiorentina. Fiorentina scored late, late, late there. Arthur Cabral getting a goal in the 90th minute to beat the Aquilotti, which... I've got to be honest, I was disappointed about because I do quite like Spezia and I do quite want Spezia to do well and to stay in Serie A. Cremonese beat... No, they didn't. Cremonese Udinese finished scoreless and this, Kev, I've got to come to you for because Cremonese were grey and red. So Udinese changed into a kit that was grey with a bit of orange on it. This is the most... Of all of the kit changes that happen... And are pointless. This is the most stupid of them because yeah. it's deliberately like it's providing an obstacle to watching this easily for no reason, and I don't get it. No, this this was mad. I'm. It's probably slightly above 
and I'm going to say something that maybe might never not have happened, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it did. I think Samp changed. I think Samp changed into their red kit to play Fiorentina once. Now I understand <laughs> blue. I understand blue. I understand blue and purple, but then to go red and purple, whereas Samp probably could have gone white and white and purple because I've never known Samp not have a white away kit. But yeah, Unazi can probably try and call this a silver kit so it's not you know gray gray and red on gray it's gray and red on silver but they've got a yellow you know i'm not sure they've got a yellow strip this year at away strip or they could even worn their home strip and i don't think it would have clashed as much as this one did there's one team in the fucking world that i can think about that have gray in their home kit and it's grimonese and you change into a gray kit to play them like gray's not a popular color just leave, leave that, Udinese, and you can wear that kit every other week of the season and you'll have no problems. The silly thing is, is... Sorry, I've just seen your comments now because I don't usually pay attention to them. <laughs> but um, the stupid thing is, Udinese were one of the worst offenders for like wearing yeah. like lots of different kits all the time. And they've been brilliant this year. I think they've probably paid at least sort of 80% of their their games this season in either their home kit or the kit that they should have been wearing an alternative and they go and do this that's daft and it really is daft i think that'll do it i think that will do it for the Serie A conversation we will be back of course during the week bernsey Serie A Feminile, we bigged it up on the preview pod and it was a decent weekend we're gonna do the women's football podcast obviously during the week, Tuesday, I suppose. Um, give us a little run then. Um, I alluded to something on our previous one of the, the top four playing each other. Yep. Milan were had just come off a win against Juve. <laughs> they had a chance to gain on at least two teams. Um, playing against one of the worst teams in the division. Yeah. And my God, did they <laughs> drop the ball. <laughs> <laughs> They're the most stupid team in professional sports. I'm saying it. They don't make any sense. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, uh, Christy Grimshaw as well got sent off, which wasn't ideal, and also in not ideal circumstances either, mm. given it was talked into by herself, um, <laughs> which that was about halfway through the game. Um, and you'd you'd still, on paper, you'd, you'd still back me on to actually possibly still win the game because Pomigliano are not good. However, Pomigliano are now almost in the top half, <laughs> which is... Uh, it's hard like, to they, 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 they won't stay. They won't stay there. But, um, but I mean, they, they've possibly already done enough to, yeah. to not be bottom, at least. Agreed. Agreed. Obviously, this comes off the back of uh, another good week in the Women's Champions League for Italy. Roma, <laughs> Roma were involved in a madness, as patrons would have heard on the... <laughs> the European pod we did last week. And Juventus got a decent result to draw against European champions Lyon. So do head over to patreon.com slash total Italian football and you will get the women's football podcast every week as well as the European football podcast and the Serie A preview podcast. Three pieces of bonus content for as little as two euro a month. There's two five and ten euro tiers. Sign up and support us. Anything you can contribute is very much appreciated. But I mean two year old month and you're getting three pods a week I, I think that's decent value for money thank you to everyone who is continuing to sign up and is continuing to support us over there we appreciate it very very much 
All right, so we will be back on Tuesday with that for patrons, the Women's Football Podcast. We'll be back on Thursday with the European Podcast. I will be in Milan on Wednesday night for Milan Salzburg, an interesting one. And then we'll be back on Friday with the Serie A preview pod as well. So, Vito, say goodbye. Goodbye. Grandad, say goodbye. Goodbye. He said it this time. You <laughs> and say goodbye. Bye-bye. See you soon. Bye, patrons. Bye, listeners. Love you. Io questa maglia sognavo da bambino. Quando giocavo ancora col trenino, mio padre andava sempre al comunale. C'era il Torino, Torino da sognare. Granata è una seconda pelle. Portarla è come un viaggio tra le stelle. Lo so cos'è la storia e la leggenda. Giochiamo noi, la fiamma non si è spenta. E ancora Io sono il capitano, undici cuori tenuti per la mano, vincere sempre vincere con ardore, per il Torino, per il suo grande cuore. È un'emozione che sempre mi attanaglia, sono del toro e un grido mi accompagna, forza ragazzi vinciamo con onore, essere granato. Vuol dire fede e amore.